Welcome to the Mentality Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about healthy masculinities. I'm your host, Lao Jokan, and throughout this podcast, we'll hear from a wide range of guests about the views and experiences of manhood. We'll look at the bits we should celebrate, but also its messy parts, while having a bit of a laugh. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mentality Podcast. And to be honest, I was just reflecting a few seconds ago. I have no idea where you're listening to the pod. Probably at home, in your living room, just chilling and having the pod running in the background or doing some stuff. Maybe in the kitchen, preparing some food, and maybe you went for a stroll listening to the pod. But the chances are, if you are a man and are outside, you probably feel safe. And that's not the case for everyone. And that's why I thought it would be good to discuss in today's episode about women's safety. You might stop and think, well, how come we're going to discuss about women's safety on a men's issues podcast? How these two topics are related? Well, just to set the scene for my conversation with my guest, I'm just going to share some figures from here, from England and Wales, published by the Office for National Statistics, is that 40,572 women were victims of sexual assault in the year ending to September 2021 an increase of 13% from previous year. So that's why women's safety is a men's issue, where we manage to understand that our behavior and how we relate to women, it affects them till the point that their lives are taken by men. Now I'm turning to my guest for today, Sarah Jane Lawrence. She's a trained psychologist, therapist and coach. She has a wealth of experience in dealing with a lot of issues in, in, in therapy and coaching. And I thought it would be great to have this conversation with her to share her experience as a psychologist, but also as a woman, why women's safety is important and how this relates to men. And here's my conversation with Sarah Jane Lawrence. Thank you, Sarah Jane, for joining me to discuss women's safety and the role men play in this. You're a trained psychologist, therapist and coach. And can you tell us a bit more about your background? Yeah. Hi, Lau. Thank you um, for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So as you mentioned, I'm a psychologist, a behavioral scientist. I have a psychotherapy background as well as an organizational psychologist background. I'm primarily focusing on training and coaching. I also have a private um, therapy practice as well, where I just work with people around emotional resilience and well-being or just want to enhance their emotional well-being. That's amazing. Thank you for for that, Sarah Jane. And here's a bit of a trigger warning since we're going to speak about uh, women's safety. We might uh, discuss about sexual assault, violence against women. So just a heads up for our listeners. The wider background of this episode is about the deaths of Biba Henry and Nicole Salmon, Sabina Nessa, Zara Elena or Sarah Everett and many others have reignited national conversations about uh, the safety of women and girls on our streets here in the UK. A recent case that drew my attention, which took place actually in Wales, uh, was Lily Sullivan, where she was murdered by bare hands by a man who was familiar to, to her. And just to, to bring a bit of data, and I'm aware that there's an international audience uh, and the figures might look slightly different worldwide, but here in the UK, uh, especially in England and Wales, the latest figures of these cases from uh, the Office of uh, National Statistics show that between April 2020 and March 2021, 177 women were murdered compared to 416 men. What is striking is that where the suspects were known, so it's 92% of women were killed by men. And further, the ONS data shows that 60% of women who were killed in England and Wales knew the suspect compared to only 44% of male victims. 
hearing these statistics and this begs the question as a psychologist, Sarah Jane, what do you think is the root cause for why men do this? Okay, that's a great question. And as you've mentioned, it can be quite broad and it, it probably is slightly different um, in different countries um, when we think about the bell curve of what normal is, right? But as a psychologist and a scientist, I've always got to bet it in, in evidence. So I just want to share some research that was done by professors Rebecca and Russell Dobash, um, who were criminologists at the University of Manchester. And they spent years interviewing murderers who were serving life sentences in British prisons. And it was the, actually the biggest study conducted of its kind in terms of men killing women. Um, and their research uncovered that several um, unnerving societal issues, really. Mainly, they found that many women were murdered by jealous, possessive and controlling men. It's built into this idea that there's a sense of entitlement, the sort of context of um, masculinity and th that sense of having control. Um, and it's the entitlement as a man that you should be able to control your situation and the people in your environment. Maybe we can explore a bit uh, further uh, this idea of masculinity and how we men, we can help ourselves or help those around us to deconstruct this idea of we need to always have control over the situation and why this is important for us and maybe being not in control is also okay at times. I think the main thing is the essence of being in control is always placed on someone else. So the control is over somebody else when really the control should be over one's own self. And I think that's where the sort of dichotomy and the work needs to be done. I think generally as human beings, we have a tendency to want to control our environment and what's happening in our lives. For instance, when change happens, we like to be the ones in control of that change. We don't like change being done to us. But control of how you show up in a situation, how you behave and how you talk and how you think um, and not necessarily projecting that onto someone else so that you feel that you have control over other people in your environment. I think when it comes to change, we can find it very difficult to accept change unless we're the ones driving the change. So, for instance, if we're the ones ending the relationship, we, we feel quite OK about that. Right. We, we feel bad for the other person and as empathy we can have. But generally, we're okay with making that decision, knowing change is amidst. But if someone ends the relationship with us, that has a very different feeling to be on the receiving end. And so rather than trying to control that person and how they're reacting to us, we need to control ourselves. And I think for men, that just historically, the way men from childhood um, compared to girls or women have been brought up tend to not have the free sort of space to be able to share their emotions. And obviously that's also in the context of the home that they're brought up in, in the environment that they're educated in as well. But generally the, the majority of men are not encouraged to share their emotion. They're sort of told, suck it up, get on with it, shake it off and just move on, you know? And so it plays out, the behavior and the pent up frustration plays out in different ways. Whereas women are encouraged to talk and to share. They have girlfriends that they'll probably you know every evening have a few conversations with um, whereas men generally don't talk about that role of masculinity meaning that you're a unitary you you're emotionless or you don't have to show emotion really can become a, a problem for men and especially in this this in, environment um, when I think about like social media and current pop culture there's so much information out there that sometimes you can look at other people's lives and see what's going on and 
you know, we all can get into this point of comparison and this sense of rejection or my life not being where I want it to be can have a real sense of playing on who we are and our identity. And so again, that really is another factor plays into this essence or this understanding of what masculinity is and how people demonstrate that. Now, that's really great and it's helpful to see how we men uh, could engage more with our emotions and the benefits of it. It's very, very interesting. And I think what it, what it comes to me, and you're right, there's a relationship between what happens and the idea of what it means to be a man. And it can, as you mentioned, the idea of men needing to have control over the situation, over their personal life, and so on. Thinking of all these cases, for me, it's, it's a bit clear that we men, we need to own this situation in a way and uh, change how we engage with women and call out some of the toxic behaviors that we have in this case towards uh, women. For me, then also goes further to how we men can help women feel safer in public or private settings. And the reason I say public and private, because the data shows that 60% of women were killed by suspects they knew. So probably a lot of them happened in a more private ones to hear from your perspective as a psychologist. What do you think we men could do to maybe better engage with our full self and um, address this issue? Okay, so I take it on, on two parts. So I think in terms of the role of women, um, in terms of what they can do, I think it's important that to keep themselves safe is that they are very vocal about what they're accepting and what they're not willing to accept mm -hmm. to be able to put up boundaries. I think what's really important to understand is that, as you mentioned, the statistics that most of the women who are murdered are known by the person that, that kills them or is abusive towards them. And that's because there's generally a relationship that's taken place. The majority of the time, women have been in relationships with the, the men that have ended up hurting them or murdering them. It's a, it's a consequence of that relationship generally because the woman has been seen to behave by the man in a particular way that's aroused jealousy within him or she's decided that the relationship is no longer desirable and wants to move forward with her life without him and he becomes quite possessive and the thought of her letting go really ignites and triggers something in him where he feels like he needs to control that situation and so I think for women we really need to be able to set our boundaries in terms of what we want and what we don't want but I think the most prevailing sort of responsibility here is on men being able to control their own behaviors and own thought processes. I think there's a, a narrative out, especially in the pop culture, where it's perceived if a woman behaves in a particular way or dresses in a particular way or speaks for a certain amount of time or in a particular way, it's construed to be that she's coming on to a man or she's wanting more from a man. And the reality is, is that irrespective of that, unless there's clear communication around what's been desired, then men really should be able to hold their boundary and not presume. I think one of the prevailing things around the murders that we've seen is this thing around rejection and this sense of control. Um, and I think that's really around, from the research that was done by Rebecca and Russell, the research sort of showed that there were childhood and adulthood problems. There were some that had related drug and alcohol abuse, but many didn't but they were just unresolved emotional issues that they hadn't dealt with. Um, and so I think 
from a male perspective, it's really important that men understand that they generally are stronger than women. And so therefore respecting boundaries, understanding the essence of personal space, respecting when women say no, that no actually means knowing that she knows her mind to know what she wants. And her desire for herself is absolutely her right. And even if you want to then enter into some form of negotiation, that should just remain verbal. It shouldn't, you know, sort of lead to physical abuse or taking someone's life. But again, I think the fundamental, as I said, even from the research, was that there was these underlying issues that hadn't been resolved around the emotional awareness and the emotional resilience of some men. And so I think that's probably where the majority, not all, but where the majority of the issues lie that need to be really tackled here. Thank you for that. And I totally agree that... um... The onus is on men to address these issues. It's not on women. Women shouldn't be, as you say, oh, we need to be more aware how we dress or how we speak or how much we had to drink if we went for a night out. The onus is on us men to own this and to ensure that ourselves or the men around us uh, lead, as you say, respectfully. Uh, respecting boundaries is a very good, very good advice. Another question that I that I had is, as a woman, how these cases impact you when when they come to light? It's It's very saddening and it does make you highly vigilant in conversations that I've had with women, even in preparation for this conversation, just to see whether or not there was a sort of norm among the women that I'm aware of and that I interact with in terms of their own safety. And I think one of the things that came out across all of us was that this heightened awareness of maybe the time that you're going out, the activities that you're undertaking, are you going to be alone? Do you know how to get home? So there's this vigilance around forward planning to make sure that you're safe. We spoke about when entering into a car, whether day or night, we generally go to lock the door. Whereas when I spoke to a lot of men, they said, well, no, it wasn't something they automatically did. Um, But when driving off, the car would automatically lock. So that was their sort of safety. But generally, a lot of women get into cars and lock and lock the door, as do I. Um, And so there's this heightened vigilance, um, even, for instance, if you're going home late, you might end up calling a girlfriend or a parent or a friend just to talk with you as you're walking home because you're alone because it's that added safety. Whereas for men, generally, that's not really a concern. For me personally, it it, it is troublesome. Um, And I think when you live in a, a city like London or any big city, sometimes that can be quite a worry, but not saying it's it's prevalent in cities majority of the time, but it does raise concerns where you have to be more vigilant. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because we men, most of us, we have a privilege that we don't have to worry, for example, when we get home or when we walk on the street, that we even if we are by ourselves, there's not a heightened awareness or oh, am I be in danger? I can also speak for myself that when I'm going for walks, for example, even if it's evening or dark, like I don't feel, in general, I don't feel unsafe. Also, I've heard cases where women just pretend they be talking to a friend on the phone just to put people off to approaching them or wearing the key rings around their fingers if to be able to use that as a as a weapon to protect yeah. themselves because they don't feel safe. As we draw to a close of our, of our conversation, what would be your final piece of advice to men to take a step forward in educating themselves? I think it comes down to self-awareness and honesty. If you're looking to be in a relationship or have encounters that are honest, you first have to be honest with yourself. And understand who you are and what you're bringing to the table. And if 
there are things within yourself that you recognize where it's not necessarily the person you want to be because you think you may have an anger issue or a verbal verbal sort of anger rather than physical anger but there's an essence of where you recognize that you're not really being the best that you can be then I would really encourage you to seek help because there's lots of organizations out there that support people with anger issues whether it's getting some form of therapy or coaching and also even if you've got a network of friends that you can talk to about what's happening for you and But being mindful of who you share your emotions with, because you want people that are going to encourage you to do the right thing and not encourage you to sort of like, you know, go out there and fight physically. But I think it's the main thing is just being self-aware and understanding that the control that you have, being able to control your behavior is a sense of emotional intelligence and resilience. And that really helps you to have power and control over a situation when you can control yourself. That's where the real power and control comes in rather than trying to control other people and your environment. So yeah, seeking help, talking to a really good network of friends. And if not, then maybe speaking to your GP to see if they can refer you to other services that may be able to help you if they're not out in your current um, sort of community. Thank you for for that uh, good piece of advice. If they can't afford, um, for example, to go counseling, maybe they can talk to their friends, but they might want a bit more. Is there any, any book? You know, I always believe knowledge is understanding. And once you have knowledge, it then gives you choice. So there's a couple of things that you, just on the internet, for instance, you could Google anger management and Mayo Clinic, M-A-Y-O Clinic, have some really good resources that you can use. There's also a company called HeartMath who also helped to provide lots of resources and material around stress management, anger management, and how you can sort of self-regulate those emotions, which I think would be really helpful. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to subscribe, comment or like on whatever platform you're listening from. And if you want to learn more about Sarah Jane and her work, check out her details in the caption of this episode. And a sneak preview about next episode, It's all about mentoring, where Claude Morey and I look at the importance of mentoring for young boys. And until next time, stay safe and keep listening to Mentality Podcast.